Hi, I'm Beth, and you're listening to the Improv Conspiracy Podcast, and here are my thoughts on Flash Memory. The Improv Conspiracy Podcast with your host, Bronny. Hello, my friends. Welcome. Come on in. Can I take your coat? Would you like some tea? How do you take that tea? I take my tea in my mouth, please. I'm having a great week, everyone, and here's why. Uh, I don't know if you've seen on Netflix, there is a documentary about the 1990s Chicago Bulls teams called The Last Dance, and it's changing my life. Not because it's telling me anything I didn't already know necessarily, but it's telling everyone I know things that they didn't know and will now finally relate to me on. <laughs> I'm getting messages from friends about basketball for the first time in my life, and I love it. Uh, I used, I've been a Chicago Bulls fan and a basketball fan for many years, and I try to engage people with it, but I've spent my life around musicians and comedians, and they just smile politely at me. Some friends go like, that's cool, man, which is nice of them, but that's about the most I get. Uh, and improv teams I've coached, I've tried to use basketball stories and relate it to improv, uh, and they just go, what are you talking about, man? And seriously, it's some good stuff I've been saying, but no one has cared. <laughs> I feel like now a big change is coming. People are going to be like, I know what you're talking about, Bronny, and that is an incredible point you're making, and thank you for teaching me about improv through the joy of team sports. <laughs> Anyway, speaking of friends who messaged me about basketball recently, one of those people is our guest today, Beth Lepley. Who's that? Great question. She's a teacher, coach, and house team performer at the Improv Conspiracy. She's also an ex-house team performer from UCB LA and a Survivor fan, a future rich person, and a legend. Um, she's talking today about flash memory, which, uh, what's that? That's another great question you asked. Well, that's why I've got her here to talk about it. Here she is with her thoughts on Flash Memory. Beth Lepley, everyone. I picked something to geek about uh, being the practice of Flash Memory, um, which is basically just a way of saying, like, how to use personal associations in your improv. Um, uh, the idea of Flash Memory is that every idea, every word you hear, your brain flashes this personal impression or memory. Um, it can be an experience or a song you heard or a movie or a dream you had. It can be anything. It just comes from your own personal life tank. And I just love it so much because I think so often when we're learning improv, we think we have to like meet our scene partner halfway to where they are uh, with some vague understanding of what uh, a cafe is or or what a lake scene looks like instead of using what we know and what we think of when we think of the word lake. Um, instead of that scene, you get a, hey Gary, what a beautiful day at the lake. It's kind of like that scene we've all seen a million times or that fishing scene with two people fishing. Um, what if we used something in our own lived experience, like a little kernel of something to help get us somewhere truthful? So maybe that lake scene, maybe you initiate uh, a family reunion in Lake Tahoe because you had a friend who every year 
they went to Lake Tahoe and had like a relay race with their family and they did like a little family Olympics. And that just springs to your mind when you think of Lake. So you initiate a scene with just something, a kernel of that. I think it's already more specific. It's already feels a little bit realer than just, hey, we're at a lake. And sometimes you can have like a flash of a feeling like, oh, lake makes me feel guilty because I don't call my family as much. Maybe your scene partner initiates that uh, fishing scene, but you just bring a little feeling with you to it. Maybe you feel guilty and you don't know why, but you and your scene partner will figure out why in this fishing scene you are just coming in with guilt. So I think it's just a, a way to get out of your own head at being right and guessing what your scene partner wants from you and just bringing something to the table uh, that you already know and that you can already think of. It, I think it's really, it's a muscle like anything in improv, like the more you do it, the easier it is to have something come to mind. Uh, but it's something we naturally do as humans. Uh, if we're driving in a car on the highway, we start thinking about one thing. And then by the time we get to our destination, we're like so far away from that original thought. Uh, it's just something our brains naturally do. So just learning how to do that in improv, I think is just, is very liberating because you know, you can't be wrong. I like the word liberating because I think uh, a huge part of this is you just gave a bunch of people permission. Like I, I think uh, one of the hurdles to using this technique is like I reckon a lot of people would think it's not allowed. Yeah. It, it feels like cheating almost. Yeah, because like, no, I should be making up. Like I should be improvising and thinking of something clever or something I've never done before. Right. Yeah, and I just think it's not – it's not cheating. You're not replaying your life uh, by any means. And you're not reliving any past traumas on the stage. Like that's not what it's about. It's just what springs true for you uh, when you think of a purse. Maybe you just have the detail. It's a fake snakeskin purple purse. What a cool detail to put in the scene. And when you watch a show and improvisers are really specific, you think, mm what wizardry, <laughs> like what magic. And it's, it's not being super clever. It's just, I have a association with that and that's valid for this scene. And it's not like you're gonna, cause you're still only gonna bring your brick, right? To say we're doing, say you bring that guilt into the, the like um, scene because you don't call your family enough. Like, it's not like you're coming in and trying to steer the scene towards we haven't spoken into in so long, mum. Um, you're just bringing the guilt and then I get to name why that guilt exists, perhaps. Yeah, if it's just already crackling with um, tension and something interesting. And I maybe if I'm just acting really guilty, you just say, did you eat all the bait? You know, and then you know, <laughs> it becomes like, oh, yeah, I did eat all the bait. I feel really bad about it. Um, but we wouldn't have gotten there without, uh, you know, bringing something to the table, so to speak. So I just think it's fun. The moment you mentioned uh, Lake Scene, yeah, you thought Lake Tahoe, and yeah. I thought um, my my best my childhood best friend's dad stepdad Clive, um, and <laughs> me not being uh, able to tell him that I was feeling really really sick when we were out fishing one morning. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so just like playing it cool. <laughs> yeah, I was like yeah. fucking close to vomiting, but trying to just be like, mm, I'm pretty. This is a great time. Oh, I love that. So yeah, like 
it's true. It's just like you mentioned Lake and it just, that's the first thing that hits my head and why not just be sick right now? Right. Why not be sick? Why not? It can be a feeling. It can be a location, just specific, whatever uh, feels easiest for you to bring, I think is fair game. And I think it's not necessarily, we need to see 50 shades of brawny on stage. Like you can, you can be a mountain troll and still have it tethered in uh, some sort of human experience because as as great of a troll as you could be you're still brawny being a troll um and i think we've all seen enough troll scenes where uh they make you <laughs> uh do three riddles before you can cross the bridge <laughs> and like what if your mountain troll like when i think of a troll i think of a bridge living under a bridge that feels cozy to me like a little house uh like in a cute little place and so i think of cozy so what if i'm a, like a little troll i'm still a big character but i'm a troll that just wants to find my little slice of you know also something i tell students all the time um because what part of what you're saying is like i think this makes improv easier if you allow this to happen um and a lot of people seem to be obsessed with improv being hard and i'm like no i think improv is easy it's just that we make it hard because we're we're trying to be clever or like, or, yeah. or we hate our ideas and we judge ourselves. And like, it's the human, human psyche that is hard to deal with. It's not yeah. improvising. And that, and that feeling of just like, I need to figure this out. What is, what is happening? What do they want from me? Right. Um, and you don't need to, the guesswork is really unnecessary because even if you are talking about two different things and there's a misunderstanding, you can stop and say, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I thought you were talking about a band. <laughs> it sounds yeah. like a band to me. And they can, yeah. you can have that moment of clarification, but still sharing with uh, your scene partner and the audience, like, oh, this is where my mind went because I'm a human being. Mm, totally. I think uh, there's probably been at least 50 scenes that I've been in where uh, someone put me in a scene that was at a school and I either called them or myself Myrtle Pointer because that's just whenever I think of school, I think of my primary school canteen lady and her name was Myrtle Pointer. It's <laughs> a great name. And I'm like, why not yeah. use it? And literally every time it's gotten a laugh because <laughs> it's so specific. It's such a good specific. It's like names are such a good, uh, just like kind of building block for this. If you're, if you're wanting to try it and you're just like, I can't think of a memory. I'm nervous already. That's a lot to put on me in the moment. Maybe start with a name. like. What do you think of when you think of a, a playground? What name springs to mind? And use something that you know, and then go from names, go from words, and then maybe when you're ready, go to emotions or memories. But um, just like try a little bit at a time if you want to dip your toe in. I love also that you mentioned that that classic um, habit that so many of us have still, and that's the line that's like, mm, "I love I love being at this lake with you." <laughs> Yeah. When like you, you could have yeah. taken that moment to pause and been like, oh yeah, that makes me feel guilty. Oh man, I feel so guilty. And then we're off on that, on that road. Yeah. It's a great way to initiate. It's also a great way to respond. Um, you don't need to come in with a heavy response like, oh, I'm feeling this. Like, um, but you can respond and you can flash off of what the initiation was. Like when someone says something in that way, what does that make you feel? Like, does that spark something in you? Um, and you can also do it in the middle of a scene, like I said about the purse. If someone is grabbing a purse, what 
if you just shared what exact kind of purse it was. Um, whenever someone names a car, a specific car, it always gets a huge laugh, but they're just rever referencing a car that comes to mind for them. I used to do an exercise with Fugtown where um, I just forced them to like literally everything that they said um, had to be brand specific. So like they'd be like, uh, we'll just chuck the clothes in this LG dishwasher model T19 and just like just forcing you to like uh, to be more specific, but also knowing that you can just pull that like what is my what is my dish um, uh clothes wash why, why did I just lose <laughs> the word for washing clothes. machine <laughs> I already said it and then I lost it but yeah like what is what is my washing machine I'll just use that right here and then what is my car I'll just use that right here and then... yeah absolutely and I, I think um maybe last point I have on it was just like being truthful I think it's important to make the distinction that like using things that pop up for you doesn't mean you have to go with the opinion that you have or that that pops up so like if someone's saying hey do you want some eggs i eggs i think of gross i hate runny eggs you know like i, I hate when eggs are undercooked and so but maybe my character says yeah i'd love some eggs make sure it's soupy enough it slides off the plate like i'm still bringing something truthful because it's an opinion but it's not my exact opinion if that makes sense so you don't have to feel like beholden to your own world views all the time. It's fun to, to be someone else. And I think that's still available to you. I love also that you said uh, that you don't need to meet your scene partner halfway into their understanding. Like you don't need to do that mind yeah. trick. Can you, yeah. can you reiterate or like expand on that? Um, yeah. So I, I think just your typical scenes of a, maybe a school dance um, and you're trying to kind of build together like what their school dance or a generic school dance would be like oh there's a punch bowl there's a disco ball there's streamers and we're all just piece by piece trying not to like say anything too crazy that like is not what the other person would expect um mm -hmm. but I think like like scene painting you know we add one chunk of the details at a time and we have this beautiful picture at the end and um we want something that's a little bit nuanced uh so i think if you think of a school dance and what springs to mind is um the thong song coming on uh and all of your catholic school teachers being like really uncomfortable and like trying to get the dj to turn the music down like that's already a more interesting school dance moment um and that could have just sprung up for you. Um, I think you kind of just have to see what the scene needs. Like maybe the scene doesn't need me to derail it with um, thong song specifics, but uh, <laughs> maybe I'm feeling like a chaperone that's very uh, uptight because I don't want anything to go wrong. Um, and that's, I think, um, a fun way to just build the scene as opposed to try to guess what should be in the pie. And what if you just like, if something makes you happy and someone initiates and your response is just, oh, wow, like you're just emotionally like tickled by what they have to say because that sprung up for you. Like your scene partner is not going to be like, hey, hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I wasn't expecting that. They're going to be relieved that all of a sudden there's something happening between the two people. And like yeah. you could never, uh, in, if you're in a scene with me, like you're never going to come out and be like, hey, I don't know what you wanted. And for me to be like, 
well, I wanted this, <laughs> X, Y, and Z. I'm going to be like, me neither, my friend. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. I'd never know what I want. I don't know what yeah. I want. Yeah, I want definitely. a good scene to happen. That's all I want. I don't That's care, all man. we all want. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's helpful too with like um, reference prof, where if you like, you're getting in a hole of like, oh, are we all reenacting this scene from Clueless? Like, I haven't seen Clueless. Ah, freak out. I think we can use that flash memory of like, what does this mean for me? Or saying out loud, this means nothing to me. You know, like just acknowledging your own lived experience um, as a human being, it's totally okay to, to be truthful with it. And what a great gift, especially like, yeah, if you are replaying, um, Clueless, a scene from Clueless, someone may be very well in that scene going like, oh my God, we're doing, we're pretty much just doing exactly Clueless. And if you come on just responding to what's actually happening, not knowing <laughs> Clueless, like yeah, your contribution will be amazing because you'll take us into the new Clueless. <laughs> exactly. And like when I think of Clueless, all I, all I think of is a plaid skirt. That's, I have never seen it. I just know that she wears a plaid skirt. And so if I'm just yes anding everyone else and just keep talking about my plaid skirt, like that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, that's what I got. There's also a chunk of the audience who also don't know the reference. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They'll be delighted that, that it's real and truthful. And the people who do know Clueless in the room will be delighted because they're like, this isn't the Clueless I know. Yeah. Very yeah. funny. Yeah. You don't want it to be an inside joke on stage. Like that's the worst case scenario. Worst case. <laughs> now for a practical nugget. I think I already, I blew my nugget. <laughs> I think I dropped it in there, but just that like, um, if it feels too heady at first to try it, just start off with a simple word association um, that we do like in warm up sometimes of, or even just when the audience gives you a word, you're already doing a word association off a word. So practice that, like it gets better and easier with time of like when you say orange, I think blank, which makes me think blank, which makes me think blank and just see how far you can get. Um, and then once you start practicing your word association, just bump it up a bit. Maybe what do I feel when I hear that? Um, and what, what's a memory that maybe a snippet comes to mind and just take it incrementally. I think that's my nugget advice. Uh, so I'm going to try to access my flash memory in a scene with you. I'm sure you'll, you'll also do the same. I will also try. Oh, the best part is no one will ever know. If no, we... that's right. <laughs> so I've had varied success with uh, taking people's notes on, on these Zoom scenes. Okay. Because um, Zoom scenes, weird as hell. Yeah, um, it's a podcast, but... but I'm staring at you. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's odd. It's a weird, a weird experience, but we're going to do, do it. Do you just, um, do you initiate off of just air? I'm going to give you a word and then. Oh, okay. And then we'll go for it. Okay. Okay. Suggestion is post office. Post office. Okay, look at this. I made my own stamp, Jerry. Oh, haven't you got time on your hands, hey? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it looks like a little spider. Wow, it does. Yeah. It does. Very clever. Um, Thank you. <laughs> very clever. Are you going to post some letters with that or just sort of? Um, I don't know. I just, I, I think you mentioned I should branch out into maybe finding some hobbies. Um, right, yeah. And um, I know stamp collecting is a hobby. Uh, but what about stamp creating? 
Right, right. Yeah, I just would have thought you, you know, you'd find a hobby that's that sort of exists outside of the workplace. I mean, you work in a post office, you deal with letters and stamps sure. all day, and and you choose you choose stamp making as your hobby. I would have thought like you choose ice skating. Oh, well, right? I mean, the materials were right there. Um, you know, I was about to clock out on Friday, and I saw everything I would possibly need to make a stamp. And so I thought, oh, what a hobby. Well, of course you saw everything you could possibly need. You work in a post office. Right, but a hobby is all about convenience, but also fun. Is it not? Well, sure, Mary, but I just want to make sure you are having fun. I mean, that's work. We could sell those, you know, that you've made them right next to the counter in which you sell stamps. How fun is that to make money, though? Well, I mean, uh, what a joy. Okay, look, I guess this is my you know, erroneous interpretation of what a hobby should be, you know. I just think a hobby should be completely removed. Like, you know, my hobby. Yeah, sitting in an isolation tank is your favourite thing to do. That's absolutely. Absolutely it is. And I think it's just, it's so, well, it's just you on your own in a big pod. I couldn't think of anything better to do than be just with myself. Okay, but what what does it have to do with... (laughs) You know what you do for a living and and do you make any money from it oh no that's exactly the point um mary it has nothing to do with what i do for a living that's where i think we're not connecting you know yeah. when i said hobby i i meant i i was directly speaking about how you've been spending friday evenings you know staying late here and working yeah. too hard and when now, you said hobby, I thought of Hobbs and Shaw, that little <laughs> cartoon that is on the Sunday papers. And I thought, what a fun idea for a stamp. Uh, what if you saw a letter with Hobbs and Shaw on it, you know? Yeah, okay. And then you made a spider. That's yeah, interesting. I made that's, a spider. That's an interesting <laughs> sidestep you took. Uh, well, I just wanted to start with simple, simple things, and then I'll get up to the Sunday papers. Okay, okay. Yeah. So you've got a real, a real journey laid out for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, look. Um, how about this then? I'll let you go. Okay. I'll um, I'll fire you, and then, and then that'll be, that'll be a I, legitimate hobby. Oh. Uh, you could keep coming back. If you fired me and I, I still continued my hobby and made money from it, would that, yes. in fact, be a firing, or would well, I just be continuing to work? Well, then you would have turned your hobby into a job, and that's not a good idea for anyone. Is it? It's not good idea for the bottom yeah. line in your business but it seems like it's highly beneficial to me and turning mary. something that i do for fun into a job listen mary i'll level with you okay uh-huh. i once upon a time turned my hobby into a job and here we bloody are all right what? and the passion is gone yeah look around you these stamps i made these oh my god and it's... i don't want you to end up where I am. Did you do this Mount Rushmore stamp? You better but you believe it. I love the presidents of the United States. Wow. Oh my goodness. It's it, it's been so obvious all this time. It's just staring right at me. Mm-hmm. All of them have my face. <laughs> they all have beards. All right, my friend. Thanks, man. See you, buddy. Bye. 
There you have it, my friends. That was Beth Lepley on Flash Memory. Hey, for those who don't know, Beth is the Beth that I have been referencing at the end of each episode ever since uh, episode one where I did a sign-off to the podcast that I did not like. Beth sent me a bunch of alternatives uh, to try, and I've been trying them. I only have two left, and I will queue up one to use today to try out and see if that one sticks. Uh, by the looks of it, it's doubtful. Um, uh, hey, if you're enjoying this podcast, uh, please consider giving it a rate and review on Apple Podcasts uh, and subscribe to it. Tell your friends about it, all that stuff. That would be really helpful and delightful. Um, until next week, have a great week, everyone. And remember, kids, there's no I in group game. <laughs> Thank you, Beth. Have a good one, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Improv Conspiracy Podcast. For information about our online comedy writing classes on offer during the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as heavily discounted vouchers for our future improv classes, head to improvconspiracy.com.